I shared with you uh, a while back about how I used to do uh, a prayer walk every day. That there were these old theaters on the north end of Davenport. Remember when I shared that with you here several weeks ago? And I walk around those theaters every day praying, standing on the promise found in Joshua 14, 9 that says, wherever your feet have trod, this shall be an inheritance to you and your children because you have wholeheartedly sought after the Lord. I did that. I, I stood on that promise and I walked around those theaters every day believing and asking God to give them to us as a church. Well, here's something that I didn't share with you about that experience. One day as I was walking around those theaters, God whispered to me. Now, I need to tell you, and I may have shared this with you before, I don't know that I could ever remember a moment in my life when I heard the voice of God audibly. But I can, I can tell you um, without reservation that um, when God speaks to me, I know it. I recognize the voice immediately. So I'm walking around these theaters, and he whispers into my ear, and this is what he said. It was a very simple message. He said, Craig, I miss you. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That, that was during a time in my life, other than maybe right now, I think that I'm, I'm praying more now, today, than I ever had in my life. But that was a time in my life when I was praying as much as I am today. Um, but I knew exactly what God was talking about when he said, I miss you. Because what um, my relationship with Jesus had become was more of, instead of um, friend and savior or um, father and son, it was more colleague, partners in ministry. My life was crazy at that time. The church was growing. We were out of space. We didn't have enough parking. The budget was growing. We had, I think at that time we had like 25 staff members and, and uh, not, not all of them were as easy to work with as Jesse. And I was crazy. I was constantly going to the Lord, sharing with Him, these are my burdens and these are the things that are going on. This is where we need some help, Lord. And we're asking, we're asking for you to give us these buildings, right? And as I, was, as I found myself um, kind of in this collegial relationship with God, God is saying, I miss you, Craig. I understand how important all that stuff is. It's important to me too. But if all that stuff is getting in the way of you and me, it's not good. Anything that is causing you to forget your first love, that's not good. That was the day. Now, I, I didn't understand it and I didn't articulate it the way I'm going to articulate it to you right now. But as I look back in time, I recognize that that was the day that I began falling out of love with the church. Not the church. That was the day that I started falling out of love with the, what we would call the institutional church. And they're two different things. We've talked about that, right? 
that was the day, actually, as I look back on it now, that I um, started to become a barbarian. See, here's what I believe. I believe that God has been calling me and you, by the way, for a very long time. He's been sending out this siren call to, for a barbarian invasion. If you've re- been reading the book, that you'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, that's okay, because you'll understand what I'm talking about before I'm through today, I promise you. Um, I believe that God has been sending out this call for 2,000 years for a barbarian invasion. And here's the problem. I believe that most of us don't hear it. And there's good reason why we haven't heard this call to become part of a barbarian invasion. Because we don't know what it is. And part of the reason why we don't know what it is, is because of the church. Because of the institutional church. Not the church, but because of the institutional church. So, what I want to do today is I want to do my best to help you to begin to know what to start listening for. I want to help you to understand what you can, what can be those moments where you go, oh, that's it. That's God calling me to be a barbarian. So, if you're interested, I invite you, if you haven't already, turn to uh, 2 Timothy, New Testament book of 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 1. And as you're doing that, I'll give you a little history as I try to do every week. Um, as we've talked many times in the past, um, the New Testament book of 2 Timothy is actually a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul. Two-thirds of the New Testament are letters that were written by the Apostle Paul. And who was the Apostle Paul? He was the greatest evangelist that the world has ever known, right? Uh, everywhere Paul went, every town he went to, every region he went into, he would preach the gospel and people would get saved. That is the purpose of the church. For the, gospel, for the church to preach the gospel and for people to get saved, to come into a relationship with Jesus as Lord. And he was gifted at it. He was probably the most gifted evangelist that the world has ever known. But he had more than just a gift of evangelism. Paul also had a a gift of being a mentor and a teacher, which was very important, and I'll tell you why. Because everywhere Paul went, he would preach the gospel, people would get saved, and when um, people would get saved, they would plant new churches, right? But here's the deal. He was, one of his gifts was not to be a pastor. It was never his intention. It was never his calling to go into a city or into a town or into a region, plant a church, and for him to stay there and be their leader. So what he knew he needed to do, what one of the parts of his call was to begin recognizing um, as he met people throughout his, his journeys to see, okay, who has the gifts and the graces? Who has the talent or the potential anyway to be a pastor? So once I start a church over here in this town, um, who has the ability to um, take over and be the pastor or the leader in this town? Well, one of those persons that he had identified that he mentored and taught was a young man named Timothy. Now, who is Timothy? Timothy was kind of an oddity in his day. Because um, he was a third 
generation Christian. His mom, Eunice, I think his mom was Eunice, and his grandma was Lois, I think. Um, you can call me on that afterwards if I'm wrong about that, but I think that, I know those were their names, I can't remember which one's which, but. So, what, basically what I'm saying is he was a third generation Christian, and he was, it was very unusual for at that point in the history, I could look out to a lot of you and you could say, that's no big deal. We've been Christians in our family for generation, for generation, or generation. Well, that's not the way it was back in the day because the church wasn't that old, right? But by this point, the church was probably maybe 20, 30 years old, maybe 40 years old, somewhere in that range. So it was starting to evolve, if you'll allow me to use those words. And um, actually, the church was starting to become kind of a an expected part of the culture. That it was, it was kind of being woven into the threads of society. And here was Timothy, um, who had been identified as having the gifts and the graces to be a pastor at a church, which was an honor, um, I imagine, for Lois and Eunice, Grandma and, gra- or grandma and Mom. They're, they're thrilled our, our, our little boy is going to be a pastor. That's awesome. And, and, uh, but the more he thought about it, this young man, he's going, that, that's a lot of responsibility. A lot of people looking to me and, you know, I got to make sure I, I act right and wear the right clothes and don't talk about slime and snot, that kind of stuff. You don't want to do that when you're a pastor. Sorry, Randy, that stuff offends you, doesn't it? So, he's, he's worrying about all this stuff, thinking about what's it going to be like to be a pastor, and, and, but he's, he's, kind of, he's kind of moved into the life and it's starting to feel pretty good. Now, that's not all that's going on here. So he's starting to get used to the life of being a pastor and um, he's got people whispering in his ears. Not just church people, but people out in the community saying, I see potential in you too. And Timothy, I want you to know that you've got a great future. That if you can just play the game, be accommodating, It was into that environment that Paul writes this letter. He writes this particular passage. He says, Tim, take hold of the gift that was given to you. Uh, stir up the gift that was given to you through the laying on of hands when you were ordained, when you were appointed pastor. And remember that you have not been given a spirit of timidity. Actually, the name Timothy, it means timid. And he says, but remember, just because your name is, implies timidity, you are not timid. You do not have to be timid. You have not been given a spirit of timidity, but one of strength and, and love and, and uh, self-control or self-discipline. He was trying to encourage him, right? But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, 
And don't you dare be ashamed to stand up for the Lord. Or for me, for that matter. In fact, embrace the suffering that comes with the gospel by the power of God. So, why did he say that? I'll tell you why he said that. Because he had people over there saying, listen, if you just play the game a little bit, sorry, I won't kick over here. <laughs> if, you'll just play, if you'll just play the game a little bit, if you'll just be a little bit more accommodating, if you'll just not insist on Jesus being the only way to salvation, you know we've got a lot of people in the community that aren't necessarily Christian, don't necessarily buy into that stuff. If you could just kind of go with the flow a little bit more. And if you could distance yourself a little bit from that radical Paul, it'd be all the better. Could you just, if you just could be just a little bit more civilized, you've got a bright future. And what does Paul say? He's one of the first barbarians. In essence, what he was saying is, dude, run! <laughs> Get away from the institutionalized church! That stuff's going to kill you! You have been called to be a barbarian. You've been called to stand up in the face of the pervading, prevailing winds of society that say just accommodate. Be willing to compromise. And everything will go much better for you. Don't do it. I taught you better than that. Do not be ashamed to stand up for the Lord. And do not be ashamed to stand with me. Will it cause you to suffer? Maybe. Guess what? That's what, that's what the call of a Christian may require. But know this, when you, when you suffer for the sake of the gospel, you can do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. So when everyone else is standing against you and calling you a Bible thumper or whatever it is that they try to do to make you feel stupid about who you are in Christ, you can stand high with, your, with love, with strength and love and self-control. And proudly proclaim, I believe in Jesus. And I stand with Paul. Now, here's a question for those of you that are Bible scholars. Whatever happened to Timothy? You know? I don't know either. As far as I know, uh, I know the Bible doesn't say anything more about Timothy. Um, and I don't know that history does either. So I don't know whether he received the call or the warning or not. Let me tell you what I do know. The church didn't. The church became institutionalized. It became civil. And you know what happens 
Um, you know what the nature of an institution is, right? The nature of an institution is um, that the needs of the institution or the survival of the institution is first and foremost. More important than the mission. And that has happened to the, the church. So you might, if, if you would agree, if you're, you at least go along with that as a possibility, you might ask the question, why does God put up with it? Well, He doesn't. And it goes back to what we were talking about last week. You see, God's definition of the church is different than the definition that we often hold. You see, all throughout the history of the church for the last 2,000 years, God has been putting out this, this siren call for a barbarian invasion. He's been, he's been saying, you know, if y'all want to be institutional, go ahead. But that's not the church. And He's been calling out for 2,000 years, I need some barbarians. I need some people who are willing to stand up against the prevailing winds of society. And I need some people who are willing to take a risk. I need some people who um, aren't afraid to sacrifice to be called a fool for Christ. And you know what? All throughout history, there's been people responding to that call. There was Saul who became Paul, right? And then there was a guy named Martin Luther. And another guy named John Wesley. Uh, I would go so far as to say that Billy Graham was a, a barbarian and and I know that Erwin McManus, the writer of our book, was a barbarian. Now here's the question. Are you? I'm pretty sure I am. Now before you make a decision on that, be wise, okay? Because to be to become that which God is calling you to. To become a barbarian is, is dangerous. It, it could re require sacrifice um, and suffering. Which are not words that we have associated with Christianity in America for a very long time. We haven't had to really, I guess. So be careful before you decide. But if you were to decide that if you're feeling your spirit stirred within you, I was talking with a friend of mine last week in our life group where she said to me, she said, I feel this thing, this, this thing stirring inside of me. I feel like I'm being set free to, to be bold. That's kind of what I'm talking about. If you're, if you're feeling a stirring within you, but you don't know exactly what it means today, 
That's all right. You don't need to know exactly what. Just take it one step at a time. And I would challenge you, if you're, if you're still interested, to, to um, come back next week and you'll hear some more about it. I would challenge you to um, uh, read the book. I know we ran out of books and I apologize for that. Um, but if you, if you can't get a hold of one yourself, I'll buy you one, I promise. Where's Ellen at? I'll get you a book, Ellen, okay? All right. Read the book, which is filled with scriptures that are calling us to be the church. And then sit down with somebody. Maybe it's in your life group. Maybe it's, in, uh, maybe it's just your spouse. Maybe it's a, just a friend. So talk it through and get, get some um, perspective on what, what this is talking, what this means. And then decide. If we can be that kind of church, it will be beautiful. It will be sometimes scary. And it will always be worth it. Because God will use us. to help bring people into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. God will use us to share His grace with everyone, regardless of their sin, regardless of how different they may be from us. You know why I know that that's what would happen? Because there's so few barbarians out there. Most of those that we call the church are the institutional church. And we could easily be that too. I just don't want to be. I don't know about you. Lord Jesus, I know this whole topic to some is um, offensive. And I don't I don't want it to be, but I know that it is. I know that for some it's, it's a stirring up that, that we would just prefer not to experience. But I'm glad that you're doing it. I'm, I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to not allow us to be the institutional church. And I'm not exactly sure what, uh, from a practical perspective, what, how it's going to be different. I'm still processing, even after all these years of falling out of love with the institutional church and trying to fall in love with the church, I'm still not exactly sure what the difference is supposed to look like, at least structurally maybe. But I'm very sure. of the difference that it's supposed to look like in us and through us as the church. So I'm asking for you to move, Lord. I'm asking for you to make us uncomfortable. I'm asking for you to use us in whatever way you would desire because you are the Lord. You are in charge. And for that, I'm thankful.
In Jesus' name, amen. I would like, if you would, if you'd stand. I'm going to uh, just speak a word of benediction over you. And um, I want to thank you all for coming um, this morning. Uh, you may have noticed we've got a little bit of different um, kind of rhythm of our worship service today. We're, we're trying something just a little bit different. Um, but I want you to know as we send you, prepare to send you out this morning. Go ahead, Jeff. I want you to know that um, this Jesus that we've been talking about and this calling to be a barbarian is um, one that God will equip you for and help you to understand as you live into it. God will encourage you and bring people up alongside of you as you choose to live into it. God will bring folks into your life who need to experience the, the awesome truth of the barbarian way. If only you will be willing to share it. So as the people of God, go out expecting. As the people of God, go out um, with a smile on your face and a spring in your step. Be all that you can be for the sake of the gospel and you'll never regret it. Go out and be a barbarian. Amen? Amen. Thanks for coming today.